Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Every now and then I'm just like speechless. I try to figure out how to phrase this. Here's a very simple phrase. The Trump administration is a death cult. They revel in their efforts to end Obamacare and cut millions of Americans off health care. They celebrate presumption of federal executions. They enthusiastically authorize the use of formerly banned pesticides that cause cancer and neurological damage to children. Trump's first official action was to allow coal and oil companies to dump more waste in our rivers, poisoning people downstream. As children were being slaughtered in classrooms across America, Trump doubled down on his support of the NRA. As black people across America continue to be regularly murdered by the police, Trump calls those asking for change terrorists and thugs. He refers to Nazis as very fine people and retweets calls for white power. Over international objections and in violation of U.S. law, Trump is selling weapons to Saudi Arabia to continue bombing civilians in Yemen. Numerous children have died in Trump's detention facilities, yet they continue to give millions of dollars to Trump's contributor corporations to continue holding these children in deplorable, disgusting conditions. Trump is fighting all efforts to extend more unemployment relief to American families. The entire Republican Party, for that matter, is fighting this. In fact, the entire Republican Party has been on board with every single thing I've mentioned. Further stressing out people in ways that inevitably, history tells us, lead to domestic violence and suicide. Simple fact is that Donald Trump and the people he has surrounded himself with, like chief racist Stephen Miller, appear to love causing other people pain. Trump even encouraged police to rough up people who have not yet been convicted of a crime, told his followers if they injured protesters, he'd pay their legal expenses. But their crowning achievement? That's the coronavirus. Just by discouraging people from wearing masks or social distancing, just by raising doubts about science and scientists, Donald Trump and his buddies have caused the deaths of over 100,000 Americans with more dead bodies to come as they continue on this path. Trump goes to states with massive COVID outbreaks and holds huge indoor rallies, knowing that it's going to lead to the death of many of the people attending. Just think about that for a minute. What is he thinking 
as he is standing out there looking at his little crowd, knowing that some of those people who are smiling and holding signs and loving him so much in three, four, five weeks will be dead because they showed up at his event just because of his desperate need for adulation. What is he thinking as he's looking at dead men and women walking? Trump refuses to use the Defense Production Act to ramp up our stockpiles of testing kits or personal protective equipment. In Arizona and Florida now, they're re having to reuse or use for day after day after day, PPE, masks, gowns. This is making the situation in the states that are, you know, where the virus is exploding, a death-dealing crisis for the people who are trying to save lives. Betsy DeVos, who spent her whole life trying to destroy public schooling, is joining with Trump in trying to punish public school teachers and families who send their kids to public school by bringing disease and death into their homes. Of course, you know, wealthy white families that send their kids to private schools, the private schools have top-of-the-line in-home instruction. None of this had to happen. All over the world, country after country, have responded to the coronavirus in ways that have actually defeated it. New Zealand hasn't had a case in weeks, and normalcy has largely returned to that nation. Taiwan, similarly, almost beat the virus. They've had days where there's not a single new case. They recently had a baseball game with over 10,000 people in attendance. Everybody wore masks. But the, the virus level was so low, there was no spike as a result of that game. All over Europe, countries have kept their unemployment rates below 10% by aggressive government actions. In Scandinavia, it's under 7%. And they've beaten the virus through extensive testing and contact tracing and mandating masks and social distancing. Over at the New York Times, Paul Krugman asks a simple question. He says, at its most severe, the lockdown seems to reduce GDP by a little over 10%. During World War II, America spent more than 30% of GDP on defense for more than three years. Why couldn't we absorb a much smaller cost for even a few months? The answer, of course, is that Donald Trump has no interest in saving American lives. He and his Republican buddies just want average Americans to get back to work so that Trump and his billionaire friends and donors can get even richer, no matter how many workers die in the process. Trump appears to delight in knowing that he and his party have opposed expanding America's social safety net for decades. There's an almost endless supply of poor, low-income people desperate enough for a paycheck that they'll take their lives in their hands to feed their families. The Trump administration is a death cult. The Republican Party has become a death cult. And Americans and their children are overwhelmingly not enthusiastic about dying. I'll get into that in a few minutes. So my question, will November bring the kind of necessary change to put an end to unnecessary death as a routine part of American life? And what roles can you and I play in helping make that happen? These are just some of the many, many issues. As Mitch McConnell continues to try to play political games with the lives of American people, 5.4 million Americans have lost their health care. If that is not an advertisement for Medicare for All, I don't know what is. In Texas alone, the number of uninsured jumped from 4.2 million to 4.9 million, leaving three out of every 10 Texans uninsured. This is from the New York Times. In the 37 states that expanded Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act, 23% of laid off workers became uninsured, although they're eligible now for Medicaid, presumably. The percentage was nearly double that, 43% in the 13 states that did not expand Medicaid, 
including Texas, Florida, and North Carolina. That is how bad it's getting. Uh, meanwhile, Senator Wyden visited a drive through In fact, this was the one question I forgot to ask him, was whether he got himself tested. Multnomah County is the county that is Portland area here. He went down and visited our county's uh, drive through testing site. It's in uh, Gresham, which is one of our suburbs. Yesterday, today's Tuesday, right? Yeah, yesterday. <laughs> After a while, the days kind of run together, don't they? Anyhow, Wyden says he's got some very, very clear priorities on this thing. He has asked, for example, the Senate Committee on Finance to hold hearings on systemic racism in health care and identify policies to improve health outcomes for black, indigenous, and people of color communities. In a joint July 7 letter, Wyden and his colleagues raised concern about federal guidance that allows insurance plans and group health plans to deny claims for COVID-19 tests and other related services in apparent violation of Congress's legislative intent in the CARES Act. They wrote, with COVID-19 cases skyrocketing and our testing capacity nowhere near where it needs to be, it is unacceptable that this administration's priority seems to be giving insurance companies loopholes instead of getting people the free testing they need. We believe this guidance is contrary to statute and urge you to take immediate action to clarify the obligations of group health plans and insurers to provide robust and comprehensive coverage of COVID-19 testing. Wyden expressed frustration over the delay in residents accessing federal unemployment benefits. Yeah, yeah, this is just nuts. But then on top of that, Trump is sending his forces, literally. I mean, he's sending federal police forces, border patrol people into Portland, Oregon to shoot at Oregonians and put one of them in the hospital with a fractured skull and bone fractures all over the front of his face. And Donald Trump says, oh, this is a very successful intervention. If this is the new normal, America is in for a really rough ride. Remember Russell Honore, General Russell Honore? I believe he's a uh, lieutenant general, uh, and I think that's two stars. Um, He was the second infantry division's commander uh, in South Korea, and he's most famous for running Joint Task Force Katrina after Brownie's initial response not only failed, but led to the death of almost 2,000 American citizens in New Orleans. He was the Vice Director of Operations J3 for the Joint Staff in D.C. He was the Deputy Commanding General at the U.S. Army Infantry Center and School at Fort Benning. This guy's been around. He knows what he's doing. He's now retired. He just tweeted out, and this is just incredible. He he tweets, Jesus Christ, comma, will someone, maybe Sean Hannity, explain to number 45 To stop saying ignorant, and then he uses the S word, I'll say poop, like more testing, creating more COVID-19 cases. This is effing embarrassing for the man with the nuclear code saying stupid S word like this. Sad thing we have few governors believe the same S word. I mean, talk about seriously PO'd. So what do we do with Trump and these people? Well, in Italy, they've got an idea. 
None of this truth and reconciliation committee, you know, stuff, this uh, let's feel good stuff. Let's let's be nice to each other like uh, South Africa did after the end of apartheid. Instead, the Italians are going for justice. This started out on Facebook with a Facebook group called Noi Denunciaremo. We will denounce. And it's a Facebook group that started out as a place where it's an Italian Facebook group. It's all in Italian language. It started out as a place where families who didn't have an opportunity to have a funeral could memorialize their dead relatives. And it turned from uh, Nicole uh, Winfield, by the way, writing about this for the Associated Press. It turned from that into what Winfield describes as an influential activist group that is providing a steady stream of testimony and evidence to prosecutors investigating whether any crimes contributed to Italy's COVID-19 death toll. They filed 100 new cases yesterday with prosecutors in Bergamo who are investigating the outbreak. Co-founder of the group, Stefano Fusco, says, we simply tell our stories and ask the prosecutors to investigate about what happened here and why. There was such a huge massacre. Now, Italy had, what, 23,000 dead, as I recall, something in that neighborhood. Uh, We're at 130,000 plus. They tell the stories of mothers and fathers taken away by ambulance and never seen alive again by their children, of frantic efforts to locate vacant intensive care unit beds, hospitals so overwhelmed trying to save the living that relatives of the dead were just an afterthought. Members of the group assert that the failure of regional and national political leaders to seal off virus-affected, afflicted areas of Bergamo and Brescia early on allowed the contagion to spread throughout Lombardy and overwhelm its healthcare system, eventually leading to the West's first nationwide lockdown. They've gone even farther than this. They're not just trying to prosecute the Italian government for failing to do their job in local courts, in state courts, or their equivalent of states, regional courts, and in federal courts. But simultaneous with yesterday's filing, we will denounce, this is the group that has grown out of this Italian language Facebook page, we will denounce, sent a letter asking the European Commission and the European Court of Human Rights to supervise the Italian investigation. They don't trust their own government to supervise an investigation of their own government. Gee, surprise. It's like trusting Bill Barr to investigate the Department of Justice. They are alleging specifically that crimes against humanity were involved and specifically that Italian citizens' right to life and dignity were violated. Now, I don't think we have the word dignity in our Constitution, but we certainly have the word life in our Declaration of Independence. We call life liberty in the pursuit of happiness. And then, you know, this article in the Associated Press, the, uh, you can track it down. The headline is Families of Italy's Virus Dead Seek Answers, Solace, and Justice. It's over on the uh, APnews.com website. How do we prosecute Donald Trump and the members of his administration? for 130,000 dead Americans.
How do we bring them to justice? What's it going to take? May 17th, an article from the Daily Beast by Noga Tarnopolsky. On May 17, in Israel, it appeared the virus was not only under control, but defeated. Israel reported only 10 new cases of COVID-19 in the entire country on May 17th. They had been in almost total lockdown for two months. So on May 17, Benjamin Netanyahu, I'll read you the line from the Daily Beast, quote, Netanyahu's decree that the entire school system would reopen was a political flourish to signal everything was under control. This is a country of 9 million people. They were down to 10 cases. We're going to open the schools back up because... You know, I, Netanyahu, have everything under control. Another strongman government, another decree from the top down. Another statement by a politician instead of a scientist. And then what happened? Haggai Levine, an epidemiologist at the Brown School of Public Health and Community Medicine at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, said, quote, contrary to our advice. Gee, is that familiar? Right-wing politician ignoring the advice of scientists. Contrary to our advice, the government decided to open the entire school system all at once on May 17. What happened next was entirely predictable. Two weeks after schools opened on June 3rd, more than 244 students and staff were found to test positive for COVID-19. A week later, 2,026 students, teachers, and staff have contracted COVID-19, and 28,147 people are in quarantine. In just the first two weeks of July, 393 kindergartens and schools open for summer programs had to be closed. 300, not, not 393 students, 393 schools were closed because COVID was burning through their schools. This is on July 2nd. Eric Fengelding, an epidemiologist and health economist at the Federation of American Scientists, tweeted a chart showing Israel's rate of infection surging past Europe and fast approaching the disastrous rate in the United States. By the way, this is how they refer to the United States in news reports all around the world. The disastrous, the disastrous uh, situation in the United States. Israel was fast approaching the disastrous rate in the U.S., noting it was exactly one month since the reopening of Israeli schools. Remember the day, that, uh, the Monday after Memorial Day weekend, I came on here and I said, one month from now? And that's not the schools. Yulai Kleiner, the health ministry's deputy director of public health services, this is for the whole country of Israel, said 47% of all the new infections in Israel from May 17th, 47 back when there was only 10 new infections in the entire country, May 17th, that was the day Netanyahu said, we're opening our schools. They did the next week. He says 47% of all of them were infections acquired in the schools. And the vast majority of the rest of them, obviously, are infections from people who were infected by people in the schools. You know, <laughs> Trump and his buddies, they love to talk about Israel. Isn't Israel wonderful? Isn't, you know, Netanyahu's a wonderful guy. 
you know, let's clamp down harder on those Palestinians in, the, in Gaza, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, suddenly they're not talking. I'm not hearing any, anything about the, is the wonderful Israeli experiment in the right-wing media, are you? The Republican Party is a death cult. Bringing death and disease to a school, to a business, to a family near you. What do we do about this? You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Under what laws can we prosecute people in the Trump administration? I mean, they're literally causing death. You ever hear the Sturmabteilung, also known as the uh, SA, the Assault Division? They were sometimes referred to as stormtroopers. They started out as brown shirts. This was a violent paramilitary group that was part of the Nazi army, but it didn't start out that way. Back when its leader, Ernst Röhm, was uh, in the beer halls, and Hitler was coming into the beer halls, and he needed basically security. And so in 1921, there was this uh, anti-democratic wing, small d democratic. Mussolini, by the way, was doing the same thing in Italy around the same time. Keep in mind, this is 1921. Hitler didn't rise to power in Germany until 1933. In fact, I think it was February 33. But in any case, this is a decade earlier, 1921. And Hitler turns his security guys into basically his own private army. And then they followed him through his rise to power in Germany. They followed him into the army. They followed him in 1923 through the Beer Hall push. They stayed with him when he was sent to jail. During the last half of the 1920s, Rome returned in 1931 to lead the brown shirts. They went to 3 million members in only two years. The principal thing that the SA was doing back then, the brown shirts were doing back then, in addition to, uh, quote, defending Hitler, being his private guards, his private police, is they were trashing Jews and labor union leaders and unionized workers. They would go into their homes and trash them. They would go into their places of business and trash them. They were basically terrorists. So here you have the precedent of a fascistic government, you know, a proto-fascist himself, right, Adolf Hitler, saying, let's take these really angry young men who are civilians and teach them how to use weapons and teach them how to execute citizens' arrests, a power that existed in Germany in the 1920s, teach them how to use billy clubs and handcuffs. Let's give them some technical training. Let's professionalize them. And what came out of that were the stormtroopers. This is uh, from the uh, Shoah Research Center, created in 1922. The SA's supposed purpose was to guard Nazi party meetings, but in actuality, Hitler meant for the group to serve eventually as the Nazi army. The SA was extremely anti-Semitic and anti-democratic in its military activities. Its members were mainly lower-class Germans who had lost their jobs due to the country's economic problems. The brown shirts, the membership, the SA gave them something to be part of, something to be proud of. They engaged in street fights with their political enemies. 
They practiced pseudo-military exercises, and ultimately they terrorized Germany. In just a few short years, the SA's membership grew from 70,000 to more than 4 million. Rome divided Germany into 21 military-like districts, creating flying squads and the Nazi Motor Corps, and reorganized the SA High Command. When Hitler rose to national power in 1933, the SA became an official government organization. SA soldiers then joined the regular police in order to arrest and torture ideological, political, and even personal enemies of Adolf Hitler. They set up concentration camps for this purpose. However, in Rome, shown, well, and then it goes into the night of long lives and all that stuff. So it's not like we don't have, like, history warning us. As I said, Mussolini did the same thing, only his guys wore black shirts. They were called the black shirts, his volunteer force. So in the context of this, I want to share with you a story that was published in Newsweek magazine on the 9th of this month. The title of it, it's by Chantal De Silva. The title of it is ICE Offering, quote, Citizens Academy, close quote, course, with training on how to arrest immigrants. And I'll just read you the little bits from the story. Uh, Chantal De Silva writes, first paragraph, the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement ICE Agency is set to launch a six-week Citizens Academy on immigration enforcement which will include training for civilians on how to arrest undocumented immigrants. ICE Chicago Field Office Director Robert Guadian invited shareholders to participate in the course, which includes six days of training over a six-week period starting this September. The letter that went out to uh, the people that they think are their peeps, I don't know what list they're working from, maybe a Proud Boy membership list, You have been identified as a valued member of the community who may have an interest in participating in the inaugural class of the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement and Removal Operations Chicago Citizens Academy. Guadian says, this is the first of its kind. It'll serve as a pilot for the nationwide implementation. Included in the course, he said, will be training in, quote, defensive tactics, firearms familiarization, and targeted arrests. The training, by the way, will be conducted in a safe and positive environment. Right. This is, it just goes on and on and on. This is asked by The Guardian ICE spokesperson, oh, it's a woman, Nicole Albrico. Albrico said, like other law enforcement agencies' academies, there's often a unit in self-defense and de-escalation. All federally trained law enforcement officers go through such training, and the academy wants to show the community what this training looks like. Additionally, ICE wants to show the humanitarian efforts and due process that is behind every targeted immigration arrest. In a separate statement, Provided by ICE, the Guardian said, quote, The Academy is a natural progression from the outreach work we have already been doing in our community. Our community meetings are only a few hours long, but this is a six-week opportunity for the community to get to know our officers and understand our mission. So, if you're a white guy who is freaked out about brown people being in the country without legal authority, and you want to carry a gun and handcuffs... Donald Trump has got something for you, and it's starting in Chicago with the ICE Chicago field office. 
Amazing. Sarah John, the executive director of the IFCLA, said, We are outraged at the launch of yet another immoral initiative used by ICE to criminalize and destroy our families. The Citizens Academy program will train citizens to perpetuate race-based violence and further normalizes hate crimes that already devastate our neighborhoods. Our tax dollars should not be spent on this hatred, especially not when a global pandemic continues to wreak havoc on our neighborhoods. This blatant endorsement of white supremacy coded in a false display of patriotism seeks to excuse racial profiling and only will lead to increased violence, hatred, and xenophobia in our community. Angela in New York City watching us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Angela, what's on your mind? I'm at this point terrified about what's going to happen when the summer's over. With people talking, or Betsy DeVos talking about sending kids to their deaths in September, and the cold weather and the election, I feel like chaos is about more so chaos is about to break out i'm terrified about what's going to happen in the later part of this year because the republicans are walking around acting like they already won the election and what scares me even more is that people around me and people that i talk to online offline whatever most of them are just counting on this election and they're not seeing anything else and I've been seeing, and, and I see, and a lot of people see, that this is some serious trouble. We're headed for a major catastrophe. And I wanted to get your take on what what do you think is going to happen? I mean, I, I feel like they're going to steal the election. And what are, our, what are our options then? Because nobody's out there. And what are the Democrats doing? Because I don't see them doing anything. Well, first of all, the Democratic Party has been real active. They're mobilizing lawyers all over the country. They're trying to get election protection stuff going. You've got independent groups like Stacey Abrams' group, Fair Fight. Yeah, they're working on that. There are, uh, frankly, a lot of people who are doing everything they can to try to help us have reasonable elections. On the other hand, though, the Supreme Court is not helping. They're upholding the right of Wisconsin to force people to have physical elections. The Republicans are planning on that. Angela, I think the only thing that we can do, or the main thing that we can do, with regard to the election, and I agree with you, we should not be putting all our hopes on one election. At the very best, if Democrats take the House, the Senate, and the White House, a whole brand new struggle begins over the values that the Mm -hmm. Democratic Party is going to hold up. But I think that the main thing that we have to do now is make sure that everybody we know, particularly in these red states that are rapidly becoming purple states, you know, Texas, Georgia, Florida, these are states that may well go for Joe Biden and for Democrats and where the Republican senators may get kicked out. And these are the states, the Carolinas, the Dakotas, these are the states where you're going to see massive voter suppression efforts. And a large what part of that is kicking people off the voting rolls. What I can't figure out is that the virus is being allowed to spread in Trump country. I mean, he's basically killing his own supporters. And I'm right. watching this and I'm saying, what, what, is, what does that mean? He's killing his own supporters, and yet they're still running around with this anti-mask thing, and they're still pledging their allegiance to this death cult. How, how do we feel? Why are they doing that? Uh, why is Trump doing I think, this? I think it's been a fundamental miscalculation by Donald Trump trying to run with his gut. I've said several times, you know, if he wanted to pull this, uh, you know, con job, he should have done it in October because the economy would start opening up in early November and people wouldn't realize that there was a, a you know a giant foot going to step on all of us you know a month later we'll see angela thank you for the call well san diego and los angeles have both said screw that 825,000 students are in those two school districts 
And they have both said, we are not going to have in-class classrooms this fall. It's all going to be virtual. And we need to be doing this all across the country. I mean, this is just nuts. Jania, if I'm saying that right, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, you always say my name right. Hey, Tom, how are you? Great. Nice to hear from you again. What's up? What can we do as our average citizens? Do we start with the local first administration and then work our way up to do a class action lawsuit? Like, what are our rights? How how can we stop this? I am a concerned parent, and we are not prepared. Our hospitals are almost at their brink, and they're not set up to even take in kids. I mean, can you imagine if our kids were to get sick, and also even with a shutdown, we're not prepared, and Trump's not helping with the PPEs. I mean, what happens when our schools open up? I don't know. Technically, most school districts in most states have the power to basically call the police and come to your house and get your kid and take them to school and charge you as being a bad parent. I mean, you know, this has been the case. We have compulsory education in the United States. This has been the case since the early, uh, I think since the 1920s. This is Horace Mann's big sales pitch back in the 1890s. But I would be surprised if any of that gets enforced, Jania. This is from the Axios newsletter this morning. They asked parents, are you afraid of sending your kids to school? This was a study of 219 parents of children under the age of 18. The total number of Americans who say that there is a large or moderate risk to sending their kids to school was 71%. 82% of Democrats say that, 53% of Republicans say that. Breaking it down, 89% of black people say it's too big a risk. Hispanic people, 80%. White people, 64%. I'm guessing that what's going to happen, you add that to the fact that you've got a lot of teachers who are over 40. I'm guessing that what's going to happen is that, you know, even in those places where they open the schools, you're going to have half the kids or more not showing up. They're going to stay at home. They're going to you know, learn from home, whatever. They're going to do whatever they have to do. And, and probably more than half of the teachers aren't going to show up. And frankly, I think this is part of Betsy DeVos's plan to destroy public schools because she's yeah. shoveling money at private schools and the wealthier private schools have online instruction down and she's not requiring private schools to open back up to the best of my knowledge, just public schools. And this is going to kill off teachers and it's going to punish the parents of kids who are in public schools. So that's what I think is going to happen, Janine. Mike in Lomita, California. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind today? Maybe if someone could prevail upon Trump to hire the guy he hired to take his SAT test to actually do the choices of president, while well, he just played right. a figurehead, maybe things would work out a lot better. And adding to your well, list that's, of, that's uh, Mike, hang on just a second. That's what he has done. But instead of hiring the smart guy who knows what he's doing, he's hiring the people that the billionaire, right-wing billionaire funders are shoveling at him. He's hiring the right-wing judges that the Federalist Society says put up. He's hiring the lobbyists that the Chamber of Commerce says put up. You know, he's taking advice from other psychopaths. Renee in St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, Renee, what's up? Hi, Tom. You have got a lot on my mind. Okay, so I've made a list of six different items, but I know I can only say one thing. Okay, <laughs> here oh, we got about a minute and a half. Two, two minutes. Oh, we got a, okay. So we Go got a minute and a half. I'm gonna try to make my rant fast. Number one, we all have established that America is a plantation. Now, Donald Trump is a sociopath. 
So you know how you have to handle a sociopath. Now, with America being a plantation, he clearly missed the first business class that told us about Mavlov's Pyramid of hierarchy, how to keep the workers happy. So if you want to keep the business going, doesn't it make sense to make sure that your workers have everything they need to take care of, particularly when you say we're the richest country in the world? In 1887, I believe it was, it was in the 1880s, the uh, Bismarck of Germany, who was basically the emperor, gave everybody in the country free health insurance through their mm-hmm. jobs. I mean, it was, it was positioned as, as job insurance, but basically it was free health insurance. And there were several other big social reforms he did. He didn't do that because he was a generous guy. He did it because Karl Marx's writings were sweeping the continent and he wanted to prevent a revolution. He did it to keep people happy. Yes. <laughs> so Trump I mean, he, had to have missed that business class that explained Mavlov's pyramid. He missed that. Yep. That's the reason why. Yep. He, and that's another reason why he's filed bankruptcy six, maybe eight times mm-hmm. and why he got caught up. Now, the other problem is he had that daddy that was a KKK grand dragon. Yeah, I don't think we've established that he was a grand dragon, but he was certainly arrested at a Klan rally. OK, he was OK. Close the child enough, is scarred. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's he is. Scarred. Yeah, I got I got I got uh, Mary Trump's book yesterday and read the first maybe 50 or 70 pages of it. yesterday. Oh, are you going to read that to it's, us? I, <laughs> we should do that. It is tragic. Please, right please. I mean, it is it is tragic. OK, um, you know what? Now what we this, go back uh, to Freud and Kennison and all of the other 27 oh, yeah. psychiatrists that clearly stated something's wrong. Y'all can see something wrong with him. Get him out. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Thanks, Renee, thank you. Thank you. Good talking to you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. 
It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. Welcome back. Tom Harmon here with you and uh, Gary in Inglewood, Florida. Hey, Gary, what's on your mind? Well, I just think that the Republican Party and uh, Donald Trump are going to try to steal the election. I live in Florida. Oh, yeah. Count and, on it. Oh, I mean, you know, you got Governor Kemp and, and uh, up in Georgia. You got, you know, Governor DeSantis here. These people, you know, I mean, what would, you know, they lie to us every day. They cheat. They steal. I mean, I mean, they are just it's unbelievable what's going on in this country right now. Yeah, I mean, let's just clearly lay out exactly what's going on here, Gary. The Republican Party, prior to the advent of Ronald Reagan, at least had a governing principle or a set of governing principles. Back during Dwight Eisenhower's time, for example, you know, he famously wrote to his brother Edgar in 1954 that any political party that, that tries to take down Social Security or end things like unemployment insurance will never be heard from again. He said their numbers are small and they are idiots, the people who are arguing for that. Well, that's now the entire Republican Party. He campaigned for re-election in 1956. Our Republican president, Eisenhower, campaigned for re-election on a platform of we added over a million new people to Social Security and over two million new Americans got union membership. He was expanding both programs. The difference between him and the Democrats was that he wanted to do it slowly and gradually, and the Democrats wanted to do it rapidly and, you know, and, and had programs like Harry Truman's National Health Care Program. But the Republicans, were, they weren't opposed to progressive movement forward. They just thought it should be slow and careful. That was their definition of conservative. But starting with Reagan, the Republican Party shifted. And it went to, we are not interested in governing. We're not interested in running the country. Reagan put a guy in charge of the Labor Department who openly hated labor. Uh, you know, organized labor. He put a person, Bill Bennett, in charge of the education department who openly hated education. Betsy DeVos and the same thing with the Trump administration. They're not interested in governing. They don't care about governing. They don't even know how to govern anymore because the whole generation of Republicans who knew how to govern has died out in the 70s and 80s. All they do now is graft and grift. They're looking for ways to skim money off the top or to deliver things to their wealthy buddies so that those wealthy buddies will pay them back with multi-million dollar jobs when they leave office or with a, you know, with a super, super fancy lifestyle while they're still in office. Gary, the Republican Party has become nothing but a corrupt scam, period, full stop. Well, I agree with you 100 percent. They're all about minority rule and they want to be king. They want to be pharaoh, yep. uh, you know, whatever. Caesar, you know, that's exactly who they are. Yep. Yep. You know, Absolutely. Officer, and that's yeah. why they have to steal elections. And increasingly why, we, why they have to steal elections is because Americans have figured it out. Gary, thank you for the call. Uh, you know, <laughs> well said. David in Shelton, Massachusetts. Hey, David, what's up? I would submit to you and I'm going to ask you, you're an expert on these things. Hasn't Donald Trump violated his oath of office? Can't he be removed that way by Congress? I believe he has. And the only way that he could be removed is through impeachment. And the Democrats right now, I think, are afraid to impeach him again. They're afraid that it will stir up all kinds of pro-Trump sentiment and give him a chance of winning the election. And, you know, frankly, I'm skeptical. I understand their argument, but I'm skeptical. 
Well, this man. Anyway, uh, David, thank you for the call. Okay, a couple of things that I wanted to share with you. We've been talking about the coronavirus and the Trump death cult. I'm arguing that this is the GOP death cult, and it goes all the way back to 1981 when Ronald Reagan started deconstructing the New Deal. And not just the New Deal, also the Great Society started taking apart the rights of of unionized workers to unionize. So wages went down among people all across the United States. Reagan and Bush opened the doors to China and Mexico. They negotiated NAFTA. They started a stronger relationship with China to move our manufacturing over there to kill American industry. George Herbert Walker Bush, of course, finished the negotiations for NAFTA. Yes, Bill Clinton signed it, but it wasn't his bill. It wasn't his idea. It wasn't his legislation. This was a Republican initiative and continues to be, by the way. It's been Democrats, you know, who like Sherrod Brown and Bernie Sanders who have been fighting NAFTA from its inception since the 80s. The whole Republican death cult thing goes back a long way. They have been fighting the ability of Americans to have health care forever. I mean, Republicans started fighting Democratic efforts to provide single-payer universal health care back in 1947 when Harry Truman proposed it. Over and over and over again, Republicans and conservatives have been fighting the idea that health care should be a right and not a privilege in the United States. It's obscene. It's crazy. But this is part of the Republican death cult. They want to go back to the days when young girls and uh, girls and young women were having having back alley abortions and dying from it. Some of us are old enough to actually remember those days. And yes, it really was happening. They want us to go back to executions. Last night, the federal government, you had a 2 a.m. ruling, a 5 to 4 ruling by the Supreme Court in which the five conservatives said, yeah, put that guy to death. Now, you know, all the evidence is that he really was guilty and he committed a heinous crime, but still put him to death. Because we're such civilized people here in the United States. I believe we're the only developed country in the world that still executes prisoners. We're certainly the only civilized country in the world where it's legal to hold prisoners in slavery. It is authorized by the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And this death cult that is called the Trump administration has fully embraced that. And they're doing it now not just with people who have been convicted of crimes, but they're doing it now with people who have attempted to seek asylum in the United States because they were going to be murdered or raped or, or whatever, tortured in their home countries. And they came here seeking asylum, trying to come to the land of milk and honey, to that shining city on the hill. And now this death cult, this Republican death cult is bringing us the coronavirus and it's exploding in the Republican controlled states. And you've got Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott still refusing to do anything about it. Doug Ducey in in Arizona. I mean, in, in Arizona and in Texas, they still have laws on the books that say that cities can't require people to wear masks. Cities can't. These are the guys who are out there yelling, states' rights, local government. When it comes to the right to regulate a woman's right to have an abortion, or when it comes to the right to regulate who can vote and who can't vote, or when it comes to the right to regulate whether schools are integrated or not. But as soon as somebody says, hey, let's do something to save some lives. Oh, no, you don't. You can't do that. It's a death cult.
and they're spreading coronavirus like there's no tomorrow with this herd, uh, herd immunity strategy that the Trump administration is pursuing. Check out this study. This study was just published, this uh, article about it in Newsweek. The headline kind of tells the whole thing. Scans reveal heart damage in over half of COVID-19 patients. The study involved 1,216 people in 69 countries. They did echogram on six continents. They gave them echocardiograms. It's an ultrasound for the heart. Of the total 1,216 patients, 667, 55% had abnormalities in their scan, and one in seven participants had what researchers described as severe heart abnormalities. The average age was 62. This is happening to people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, right across the board, after the team excluded patients with existing heart conditions. So they weren't even analyzed, right? If you, if you came, if you had a heart condition before you got COVID, you weren't even evaluated. The proportion of abnormal scan results of those with severe cardiac disease was still 55%. This disease is damaging people's hearts, which by the way, will be a pre-existing condition. And Donald Trump is arguing, argued last week, two weeks ago, before the U.S. Supreme Court. We didn't get a uh, ruling on that, did we? Argued before the U.S. Supreme Court to blow up Obamacare. And bring back right of a health insurance company to say, no, we won't cover you. You have a pre-existing condition. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back. Tom Harmon here with you. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, not too much, Tom. I want to try to add to this topic or this thread about how close we are to fascism. It's really getting deep, Tom. I'm going to say something that's going to sound controversial, but I think it's time that we maybe start talking about it. Was Adolf Hitler really a fascist? Or did Adolf Hitler recognize, did he have the political savvy to recognize the German people are fascists? And I can use this fascism as a vehicle to enrich and empower myself. I think Mussolini may have actually been a a genuine fascist. But Hitler I was never so sure about. And I'll tell you the truth, I'm not so sure about Donald Trump either. I think Donald Trump, I think it's the people under him that are driving this machinery that is getting us precariously close to fascism. And let me explain. Trump's criticisms of Fauci have been blunt and generalized and ridiculous, okay? Fauci doesn't know what he's talking about, and he leaves it at that. But the White House is systematically disassembling everything Fauci is saying about this disease. And I see a pattern. Go to Pompeo over in state. Pompeo is antagonizing Iran. Iran just moved over land 1,000 kilometers, a 20,000 ton kilo class submarine 
All right, the Kilo class submarine that they bought from Russia is designed to do anti-submarine, anti-surface ship warfare out into the deep. Well, it's it's basically a, it's no threat to the United States, okay? And I don't want some conservative calling up and saying that. But my point is, they could start a spark that would ignite a brush fire that could really empower Donald Trump and his corporate cronies, for lack of a better word to really implement fascism in the United States, law and order. You know, we must all be rowing in the same direction because our national security is at risk. We need to refine our language here, Dave. Fascism is the merger of state and corporate interests combined with belligerent nationalism. Mussolini understood that. He, he invented it. You know, he, he dissolved parliament, replaced it. Every congressional district sent a representative of their largest corporation. And that's how the government of Italy was run throughout Mussolini's time. That's fascism. What you're describing is tyranny. It's variously described as authoritarianism or strongman government or... I like the word tyranny, and I think that you've got two things going on at the same time here. You've got Donald Trump and his impulses, which are tyrannical. He wants to be the next Augustus. He wants to be, he wants to be the guy who is the ultimate ruler. He wants to be king. He thinks he is, in fact. He thinks he has absolute power, and he's got Stephen Miller saying, his authority shall not be questioned. And Trump is like stealing everything that's not nailed down, too. You know, it's, you know, now you've got a prosecutor looking into Ivanka Trump, you know, ripping off money out of the inaugural fund and laundering it via their hotel in Washington, D.C. So you've got Trump, you know, basically being a grifter and tyrant. But around him, you've got these lobbyists, all these, he's put lobbyists in charge of virtually every federal agency. And if not lobbyists, then former lawyers for industry, you know, like Ajit Pai with the FCC, or even former heads of industry, like the former head of Eli Lilly, Alex Azar, is now the director of HHS. So those are the fascists. They're the ones who are in the process of merging government functions and private enterprise in such a way that basically government keeps private enterprise going and private enterprise then keeps government in power, that particular government. So we've got two things going on at once. And I think that Hitler was principally a tyrant, just like Trump is, and Mussolini was principally a fascist. I hope I'm not splitting hairs here, Dave, because I think these are really two very, very different things that just happen to be happening at the same time. No, I don't think you're splitting hairs, but let me just add, Karola Tulsa was Saddam Hussein's uncle. I think he taught Saddam Hussein to recognize when the population is vulnerable to this strongman authoritarianism. I think Fred Trump has, has taught Donald Trump, but Donald Trump doesn't have the intellect to put the mechanisms in place. All those people you mentioned, Azar and all the rest, they do have the intellect to put the mechanisms in place. Exactly. And I think the exactly. American people have an appetite to just be told what to do from a central authority, especially if there is a war against a Muslim state. I mean, it doesn't yeah. really See, matter. I don't think it was I mean, Fred Trump, Dave. I think it was uh, Roy Cohn. And now it is Bill Barr. I think Bill Barr is the puppet master right now. Kelly in Elmwood, Illinois. Hey, Kelly, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Just to let you know real quick, you're a hero of mine. No doubt about that. I'd like to share a story with you. As soon as coronavirus hit, about two weeks after, my wife's a social worker. I don't want to say the name of the company, but it's a very well-known company. She got, I mean, they wasted no time. Three weeks into it, they let her go. It just said they eliminated the five people in this position, and they just completely let her go. She did get a small severance package, 
not much. Ever since then, we've been really struggling. Me, myself, I'm on disability because I have shark coats. We have been struggling ever since. Now, regarding to the people that 600 bucks is too much, my God, really? That's too much? We barely get by on that because we own a home. Now, what's so scary is Congress, I don't know how Mitch McConnell stays in position. I never knew how. I still don't know how. Why Democrats don't scream from their lungs that the Republicans don't want to give average citizens, middle-class citizens that contribute to society every single day the 600 bucks. I don't know why Democrats don't scream. They're giving big billions to big business, but when it comes to me, the average guy trying to live the American dream and moving a home, nothing. We to a six hundred six hundred dollars is too much. Six hundred, right. and now they're waiting. I, you inform me of this. I think they're out uh, on recess, and maybe they have five days to negotiate this. Talk about yes. biting your nails. I'm waiting for them to see what happens, and all this is last minute. If something doesn't happen, stimulus-wise, we will lose our home. There's no doubt in my mind we will lose our home. And we lived here for oh, 15 Kelly, years. Kelly, I'm so sorry to hear that. Well, I have a feeling I'm not this, There's many people in this boat. I listen to you yep. every day. I think, there's, I think there's bad days ahead of us. I really do. So right now, yep. what we're forced to do, Tom, is we're forced to sell our home. Since my wife lost her job, we can relocate now. As a social worker, nobody's going to hire social workers right now. Nobody. There's just no way. Cut just to eliminate that position because it's not a moneymaker. But anyways, the future is so bleak. With COVID on top of that, losing your home, the stress of counting your pennies, it's immense. And people aren't only cracking because of COVID. They're cracking because of all this, every bit of it. Mm -hmm. And, Tom, I have to repeat myself. I don't know how Republicans get away with this. You know, it's always hate someone, you know, someone's going to take your job. Someone's going to kill you. So they're, they're, they're packing their guns to come and get you. It's always scare tactics with that party. It's never about jobs. It's never about strengthening middle class. Never. And one real quick thing I think you should do, because I love when you did this, and you convinced my brother to go from Republican to Democrat because of this. You used to challenge people to come on your radio show to say, give me one law created and passed by Republicans and push forward that favors the middle class. And not one the last 40 years. Forward. Last yeah. 40. I wish in you would say that years. every day. You actually convinced my brother of that one thing because he tried to prove you wrong. And, and we both investigated it. I said to my brother, it's not going to happen. This Tom Hartman knows what he's saying. He's a sponge of probation. That would resonate. Democrats that even come on your show, they should inject every time they're on TV and on radio, even if it's not the topic that Republicans don't want to give you a red cent. You are on your own. Meanwhile, these big companies are doing well right now. The stock market's doing well. 40 million people are out of work. I, I hate to say this about my fellow American. Where's the empathy? Where is the empathy for your fellow man? It's almost like you're on your own. I don't got coronavirus, so you're on your own. You know, I don't need to wear a mask because my family's healthy. I'm healthy, too. I've been tested, but I wear my mask almost constantly, definitely when I'm around people, because I know it helps my fellow man, my fellow citizen. This is something we have to do together. And you know what? That's crumbling. Why is it crumbling? In my honest opinion, because of the man in the White House, he does this. It's divide and conquer. He does it well. It's not about strengthening middle class. Bringing back jobs from China didn't do. Repealing Obamacare 
didn't do. Strengthening Medicare, didn't do. Strengthening Social Security, didn't do. Build the wall, didn't do. What does it take to tell you you're being, I call them Trump chumps, you're being bamboozled by this guy? They just won't get it. It's so sad that one man can create all this destruction. Well, it's not just one man, Kelly. The the Republican Party has been working on this thing for 40 years, and they've had more than a little bit of help from a few Democrats along the way. But all of your points are so well made. You're you're a good man, Kelly, and and thank you for sharing your story. Keep us up to date on how you're doing. And I'm so sorry to hear that you are so close to the edge. I know that it's a fate shared by millions of Americans. And uh, it's terrible. Thank you. I love you, Kelly. Thank you. Yeah, back at you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Terry in Eugene, Oregon. Hey, Terry, you had a question? Can the states bypass the government and issue their own checks to help cover people's mortgages, rents, and stuff like that? The problem is that there's not a single state that can issue its own currency, whereas the federal government can. So if a state wants to pass out money that basically they don't have, they have to do one of two things. They either have to very aggressively and very rapidly raise taxes, and during times of high unemployment, even that is a challenge, or they're going to have to issue bonds. They're going to have to borrow large amounts of money. And right now, state and municipal bonds are, the interest rates are going up and the value of those bonds is going down. It's getting harder and harder to sell bonds. Federal government is in a unique position. It controls the creation of our currency, and it has a virtually unlimited ability to borrow money to fund things. And in fact, our budget deficit is going to be $800 billion just this month. You know, typically that's one year. But that's not a problem for the federal government. But for a state government, it would put them out of business. They just, you know, every state constitution or, or every but maybe one, I think Vermont's the only one that doesn't require a balanced budget, and they always have it anyway. Great question, though, Terry. Thanks for calling and asking that. And thank you all for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Until then, get out there, get active, tag your it. Tell your friends about progressive media. Thanks. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.